And there it is. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to uh, episode 12 of the Mac Bandwagon podcast and our first live episode coming you to you live from Twitch this evening. I am Zach Follador, joined as always by my co-host, Sam Thillman, and our, uh, our creative director, James Jimenez, uh, in the background producing for us. They'll be popping in and out throughout uh, this evening. Thank you all for joining us. We want to do a special live stream edition here tonight to celebrate getting to a thousand plays. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough. Sam, how are you doing this evening on this fine Thursday in Muncie? Uh, doing really well. Like, uh, I think this is the first time they've probably seen our faces because we all do audio. So, yeah. so hey. <laughs> hey that's probably, let's be honest, that was probably for the better. But anyway, um, I tell you what, I'm excited. This is an awesome thing. And I know uh, we had tweeted this out earlier and, and you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on it too, Sam. But, um, you know, a thousand plays in, I guess, you know, 11 episodes with a couple of extra bonuses in there with a couple yeah. of Mount Rushmore's that we did. Um, I don't know about you, Sam, but I, I didn't anticipate this kind of uh, growth or this kind of support from, from the Mac community. It's been an awesome thing to be a part of, though. It, it really has. Like, I've been – I do several podcasts on the side, and they're not nearly as big. And, like, not going to lie, when I when it hit 1,000 plays, there's a little bit of tear in my eye, just a little bit. Just <laughs> like, like the work that we've put in over this past three months, both you and I working hard each week, putting out content, never missing a week. I, th I think it proved it's worth it. I, I think the people like what we're doing, and we're just really grateful for you. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more, Sam. I echo everything you just said. Uh, I think we've made a lot of friends along the way, maybe some enemies as well, looking at you <laughs> and IU fans that are still upset about making mission and 11 yeah. seed in the, in the, in the, uh, in the Mac mascot mania bracket, but Hey, we, we live and we learn, uh, we can look back on it and laugh now. Nonetheless, hey, I know we were at a thousand plays, but that does not mean that uh, there's no more work to be done. We do have some news to discuss here tonight. Uh, Sam, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because here, you know, over the last week or so, uh, you know, last week, the Big Ten announced that they're going to be coming back and play. They're going to be starting on October 24th. Uh, the Mountain West looks like they're going to be doing the same. And actually, just about an hour ago, uh, right before we started uh, recording here, the Pac-12 also announced that they're going to be coming back in November and playing, uh, I believe, a seven-game schedule. Uh, so they'll still be eligible for the uh, the playoff. From the MAC perspective, obviously, it's still been uh, still been mum on our on on that end. The presidents did meet this past weekend, and they've been meeting throughout the week. It sounds like we're going to get a vote tomorrow. Uh, Sam, how, how do you feel about all this? I mean, kind of where where's your head at now? We're hearing a lot of different things from different sources, a lot of conflicting information. What, what do you think about where the Mac stands right now? Um, I mean, like, if, if you really want to know my thoughts, they can go back and listen to the episode I think we did last. Uh, was it last episode where we talked about the Mac? We, yeah, we did talk. We did touch on this last week. So, right. yeah, but basically just to summarize, like, I, I would rather them keep it a spring. I, like, personally, like, I'm, I'm here for Mac if they want to bring in fall. But as I mentioned in the episode, I – I, I would prefer spring. I think it makes the most sense out of all the options. I know people want Max to come back, especially the players and whatnot. But from my perspective, my opinion, I think they should wait till spring. Yeah. And, you know, the, the more that I think about this, I, I, the more I agree with you, 
not not only because of of the health and safety concerns and and not only because of you know the financial ramifications and stuff like that but but i'm looking at it this way then this this first point i said last week was especially now that the big 10 has moved back to the fall the pac-12 has moved back to the fall and it looks like the mountain west is going to be moving back to the fall I really think the MAC would stand to gain something by the increased exposure of being the only FBS conference playing in the spring. And, and here's the other thing to me is that uh, the reports that I've read, uh, and, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, maybe you saw something different, but the reports that I've read have said that, you know, the MAC is looking to start in November and have a six game season. Well, I don't know about you, Sam, but I want to watch as much Mac football as I can. So if the two options are going to be a six game season in the spring, or I'm sorry, in the fall, or an eight or nine game season in the spring, let's just play in the spring and give us two or three additional weeks of Mac football. I, I don't think that to me just makes sense. I think more games means more exposure, means more potential money from, you know, advertisements and sponsors and television. If, 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 you know, if moving back to the fall is going to mean we're only getting six games, then let's just wait until February. I think that's my, yeah, yeah I don't know. That, that, that's my biggest thing, I guess, at this point. Yeah, um, I'm there with you. I remember last year, the basketball games, I don't know about this upcoming year because Ball State hasn't released their schedule, but it was on Tuesday nights. So if you could have a Tuesday basketball game and then I could go to a Thursday, like home basketball game, that would be super sweet. Two games and one, twice the action in the week. I love it every single round. And I understand they would have to compete with the uh, March Madness uh, towards the end, which would be, which like we just can't compete, like just yeah. facing facts. But to for those like first couple weeks, we would be the sole thing on the market. Like, yes, there would be college basketball, but you also have the college football on different days. So I think it could work really well hand to hand. And I think it would be a beautiful harmony. But we don't know. It's up to the, the athletic directors and the commissioner. So we'll just have to wait and see for tomorrow's decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ultimately, what they're looking at. Oh, sorry. No, no, go I ahead, James. really go jumped ahead. in there. No, oh, hello, ahead. everyone, by the way. Uh, the way that it's looking right now is, you know, they've been discussing it back and forth. It's like last week when we talked about it's like, well, why are they going to decide when they meet on what was it, Saturday or whatever? Like, all yeah. the indications are is that they're going to go ahead. And I think they've kind of looked at the discussions that the Pac-12 has had and that the Big Ten has had. And they're saying, well, we might be able to do something like that. And that was, that was the main hang-up when it came to, like, how do we get this done successfully is the testing. And I think the Big Ten, the Pac-12 have really kind of established what that threshold is. And I think they're especially looking at how the Pac-12 will be doing their schedule that kind of like six plus one idea. So yeah, I think we're gonna end up with a six game schedule. That seems more than likely. It'll be all the, you know, all five year division opponents, one crossover and a championship game. And like, I definitely agree with the both of you, you know, spring might be the best, you know, is probably the best if we're trying to be as healthy as we can. But the reality of it is that college football at this point you know, it's a business. It's been a business. Yeah. And it, yeah. at, you know, at this point, unless something changes, it always will be a business. Hmm. And this is a business decision, yeah. ultimately. And, and it's and, disappointing. And, and one but... thing to add, I saw on a tweet that 
bowl games, there's no there's no limit on how many wins. So you could have a five win. You can have more MAC teams in the bowl. I think that also factors in. Yeah, and I was actually, oh certainly. Yeah, Sam, you actually uh, you, you prompted my my next question there because I wanted to get your thoughts on that, and and you know James, if you, if you wanted to chime in as well, because that's a really interesting thing to me because I I was thinking about that where you know. Um, you know, some, there's some schools here in these conferences that have been playing for a few weeks, like, you know, the Sun Belt and Conference USA. There's teams in those conferences that have full 10, 11, 12 game schedules. You're going to have the, the, you know, the, the SEC and the ACC teams with 10 games. You can have the Big Ten teams with eight games, the Pac-12 with seven, the Mac's going to be, you know, six or seven games. So there's no uniformity this year in, in college football, right? So normally, you know, everyone's playing 12 games and you can have that threshold of, um, you know, you got to win six of those to get to a bowl game. So the fact that there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's, there's no bar set for that you have to cross to be eligible for, eligible for a bowl game this year. I think that's going to create one hell of an interesting bowl season that uh, unlike anything we have ever seen, I mean, we could potentially have, you know, two, three win teams getting into bowl games. Yeah. And, and I'll chime in before James. I love it and hate it at the same time. For one, I love it for the 12, Game, 12 game conferences but when I look at conferences like you meant, like we talk about it's a MACA goes in six games the Big Ten eight like are you really going to have a three and five team or a like a um, two and four team because they're below 500 like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on that aspect but at the same time like I like it because obviously this season isn't going to be normal by any means but at, like at the same time like I like I want them to be more specific in how they're going to go about it like are they just going to like select I like I want to I want to know the details of the process basically yeah I'm 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 with you there I I saw a a a funny tweet earlier from uh from Thred McMurphy where he was like you know any of these coaches that have uh you know bowl game clauses in their contract go ahead and cash those right now because everyone's eligible and uh I thought that was I thought that was an interesting take I thought that was pretty funny it's going to be interesting to see I you know it looks like we're going to hear something from from the MAC presidents uh either either tomorrow or 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 Saturday James I think that's uh, is that correct and um I guess we're gonna have to go from there as you said though James it looks like all signs are pointing towards MAC uh football starting in November uh, I tell you what, those those December games in in uh, in in Michigan and Ohio, man, there's gonna be some cold nights there. But uh, I know we're all gonna be excited to watch whether or not it's now or or in the spring. Um, and and just James, just to make sure I got my facts right there, is that is everything I just said accurate? Are we gonna hear something? Are they they're voting tomorrow? I think I heard. Uh, that's the assumption is that they're going yeah. to vote tomorrow. All the presidents and athletic directors are getting together Friday on that and. But all all sources are basically saying we're going to get something that day. Like if they end up, if, if it doesn't come down tomorrow, that means something untoward is happening. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of uh, upcoming, uh, you know, seasons and, and, and getting started, uh, we've, we've gotten some news here from, from the NCAA recently uh, about, you know, the, the start of basketball season. So typically, you know, uh, basketball practice starts, you know, first or second week of October and then uh, basketball, you know, the season itself kicks off early November. You're usually looking at like that first or second Friday in November. I think this year it was slated to be November 10th before everything uh, was, was thrown off by the pandemic. NCAA did announce the other day that uh, they're going to uh, college basketball seasons are officially going to start on November 25th this year. So that's about two weeks later 
than normal. And uh, November 25th, that actually is the, the, the day before Thanksgiving this year. So you'll have some of those preseason tournaments kicking off. I know a bunch of them are getting moved around. I, I saw a tweet the other day that like eight of them are going to be held in Orlando this year. The, uh, the battle for Atlantis, which is normally in the Bahamas, is going to be hosted in South Dakota. Talk about two opposite ends of the spectrum there. Um, Sam, I know we were talking about this a little bit before the show, and you kind of expressed your, uh, you know, kind of frustration of, of you know, not hearing any follow-up on this from the MAC uh, and, and kind of how they're going forward. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, basketball season and winter sports in general? I mean, I, I'm all for it. Like, uh, I think the NCAA said a nice time November. I don't have any problems with that. My problems, as you mentioned, was the frustration with the lack of hearing things from the conference from the conference into terms of are we playing are we waiting till january 1st like i just want to know what the overall plan is because we've been so worried about football football this and that and that is important and that's something to talk about but there are other sports as well you you already pushed back the other fall sports to spring and whatnot so i want to hear what your plan is moving forward for winter winter sports and then once we get to let's say january to january let's hear the uh, playing for the rest of the spring, the fall sports that got pushed back for spring sports and the rest of the spring sports. Uh, that's a bunch of words. But the point, the point is like, I, ju I just want to hear something, whether we're playing, what's going on, when can teams start practicing? Because I'm excited to watch my Ball State Cardinals hopefully play. And I would just like to know whether just to like, just not be hyped because we're not going to play until spring or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. And I guess we're, we're going to have to be in kind of wait and see mode there. Uh, again, though, I think with the NCAA announcing, you know, in March, uh, excuse me, November 25th start, I'd be surprised if the MAC waited until January 1st, uh, you know, based on what, you know, the NCAA just, you know, putting out the date at the end of November. I guess we'll have to wait and see there. Um, moving on, we have some, some uh, a couple of tidbits of news here specific to Central Michigan. Uh, so I'd love to actually, you know, get your thoughts on this stuff here, James. But uh, Central Michigan – uh, did recently um, hire their new athletic director. They took, uh, they hired Amy Fullen from the University of Texas uh, to replace uh, their, their previous AD who had who'd gone, I believe, to uh, to Florida State. Uh, they, so Amy Fullen was uh, had been at Texas since 2003. Uh, oversaw the Longhorn Foundation there, which was you know all of the you know the fundraising arm for for Texas athletics. Obviously, fundraising a huge part of uh, being an athletic director, and I think especially right now in this current environment with, you know, the, the the budget shortfalls and the money shortfalls of you know sports being canceled and you know no fans being in the stands, I think fundraising is going to be something that's going to be pretty pretty central to an athletic director's job to help make up some of that shortfall. Um, James, real quick, uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on on Amy Fullen? You know, have you had a chance to look into her? What what, what were your thoughts on the hire? I actually really and I actually really like the Amy Fullen hire. I was talking to you boys while we were all getting set up over here about some of the accolades, and yeah, she's a grinder, pretty much to use a John Gruden term. There, she started her career with the NCAA. You know, most like like the NCAA, uh, looking at compliance, and then eventually, you know, worked her way up to the University of Texas Austin, which is a very very big athletic department i'm not sure if you know but it's one of the if it's not the biggest then it's right up there in terms of money and endowment and her role was to take charge of special projects and essentially like 
be the day-to-day administrator uh, there under their athletic director. And Central really needed somebody with uh, Folan's background to take over for uh, Michael Alford. Uh, Michael Alford's main thing was fundraising. When Dave Heek left to go over to the University of Arizona, uh, Heakey's big thing was, you know, taking care of the administrative type of stuff. He was a guy who was more concerned about making hires and being in compliance, you know, with FBS guidelines and things of that nature. You know, maybe not so much like big on the fundraising, and that really showed towards the tail end of his tenure there. Uh, with Alfred, Alfred came in, he was not to say the exact opposite, because that would imply that he doesn't have any sense of compliance, but he does have sense of compliance. But he came in there with kind of a winner's mentality. He came in there and said, we're going to fundraise. You know, we, you know we're going to fundraise for all these programs. We're going to make splash hires. We're going to win rings and get degrees. Kind of thing. And that's what he accomplished. And he's, you know, he was in Mount Pleasant for, what, two, three years, and he got up that huge multi-million dollar project at Kelly Short Stadium. He hired Jim McElwain to lead the football program because he knows that football is the leading revenue organizer for an athletic department. And, you know, uh, at lower at lower sports, he replaced coaches that were, you know, that were kind of middling performance and set expectations with all those hires, whether it was replacing Margot Yonker upon her retirement or letting go of the women's soccer coach and replacing her or replacing him with someone with a little better pedigree. Like that was the focus was just making sure that we get the donor base stoked and that the, and that gets its money and in return gets us better performance. I see Folan as somebody who's kind of in between the two. Like she has a lot of experience in both of those things. Cause those are two things that you really need to be, in order to be a great athletic director, you know, at any sort of level, but most crucially at a group of five level, because you have to work with resources that you may not have at a power five school like the University of Texas. And I'm really excited to see kind of uh, the tack that she takes on it. She's been an associate AD for something close to 10 years at Texas. And, you know, Texas is the only place she's known up to this point in terms of like schools. So, you know, it'll it'll take probably about a year or two to really see the impact that she'll have on the program. But as a Chippewa, I can't help but be a bit excited in, that in we're a, going in a new direction. In, and a I pretty would, progressive I, one, too. I think it's our first non-interim athletic director who's a woman. So that that's great, and just I from will, a representation I, standpoint. I will add one thing. Like, shout out to her for wanting to become an AD somewhere in this time because this seems like one of the most chaotic and probably hardest like times to become an AD like probably like ever since I don't since I've been around I don't know about you James or you Zach but this seems like the most chaotic time to become an AD so like shout out to her for wanting to step up to take the job in the first place when we we don't know what's really going on at this point yeah that's a great point Sam I think in a situation like this and, and with everything that's happened in 2020, you really don't know what you're walking into, right? And, and you think about a program like Central Michigan or, or any group of five program, you know, if you're any program in the MAC or Conference USA or, um, you know, the AAC, any of these conferences, you know, the, the you know, 
budgets are so tight. Money is so tight for those athletic departments. You think about how they get subsidized by the rest of the university and, you know, TV revenue isn't, isn't there like it is in some of the power five conferences. So I think having good leadership at the top of an athletic department right now during this time is so crucial to, to making sure that these departments are able to sustain themselves going forward. So I think uh, her fundraising prowess and her fundraising skills are really going to have to be put to the test here and put, you know, heavy usage on them here uh, over this next year or two at Central Michigan to, to really make sure that they can, you know, sustain the program with, with some of the lost revenues that they're going to have uh, this year without fans being able to attend and some of the other stuff. Um, some other Central Michigan news, unfortunately, maybe not the best news here, but uh, Central Michigan did have another player enter into the transfer portal here uh, in the last week. Uh, the uh, starting punter, Brady Buell, well, I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, uh, local boy from Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, he was the MAC uh, Special Teams Player of the Week uh, in week two of last year after he had 45, average 45.2 yards per punt against Wisconsin. And he actually did tally, he had the sixth best single season punting average in Central Michigan program history. Um, he's going to be moving on. He has an obviously, you know, he just announced the other day that um, he's going to be transferring. So he hasn't said where he's going yet, but um, you always hate to see it when a, when a good punter uh, is, is leaving the conference or anyone, you know, any solid players leaving the conference, but we certainly uh, wish Brady luck. Um, James, any, as a central Michigan fan, any, any strong opinions on Brady or any, any memories from of Brady from this past year? Brady was a pretty solid punter. I'll give him that. And he's a local boy from the TC area. The uh, the Central Michigan has always done a pretty good job recruiting the Northern lower peninsula. And Brady was one of the bigger gems and, you know, I can't help but feel like I have to cheer him on because he's from the 989, like I am. Ah. So, yeah, so th I was always cheering for him a little bit. But, you know, if he feels like he can get a better shot somewhere else and given all the uncertainties surrounding college football as it is, I don't blame him for wanting to go elsewhere. And that really goes for any transfer in the MAC up to this point. And I will add, if we didn't have the punters situation locked up, like our like uh, with Lucas and whatnot, like – I, I would want Ball State to get him, but 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 thankfully we have our punter situation kind of figured out, so we don't have to worry about that. That's exactly right. Uh, friend of the show, Lucas Barrow. Hopefully, we'll have the the punting duties locked down at Ball State here for the next few years. Um, so any so as far as the general news goes, uh, you know the 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 MAC vote uh, upcoming, you know college basketball. Uh, you know the Central Michigan news. Sam, any any final things to add before we dive into some of this other stuff? Um, not really. I think we basically touched on most of it. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm just waiting to hear from, uh, from the Mac, not only on fall sports, but winter sports. I'm curious to see if we're going to have a season, what, what kind of game plan is for a season once they release that, because I'm, I'm, I'm not so much focused on football now that I like, now that it's getting closer to winter sports, I'm most more focused on like sports, like basketball and whatnot. Yeah. I hear you there. Well, uh, we're going to, you know, obviously in wait and see mode for, for winter sports, and hopefully we'll have some news on that here coming in the next few weeks. In the meantime, though, uh, we wanted to really dive into this here. The, the, uh, on, Hustle, on the Hustle Belt website, obviously, over the last uh, couple weeks, we've been breaking down all the, the, the positional uh, use, right? We did QBU, wide receiver U, running back U, and the MAC. Here this week, um, what the boys put together was the all-decade team of the – 2010s 
so this was kind of led by our good friend uh, Jordan Renard, and and obviously you know we all kind of contributed not not so much Sam and myself, but a lot of the folks on on the hustle belt. Uh, I just really want to make that clear. It's not yeah, me. Yeah. Or Zach. yeah, this was this was uh, this was we can't take any credit for the work that was done here, but we did want to talk about it a little bit. I know there were some uh, there were some folks on Twitter, and and there was maybe some. Obviously, anytime you're putting a list together, the best of, there's going to be some disagreements and stuff like that. So we just kind of wanted to, uh, to run down the, the all 2010s team. Um, really, I mean, this was a loaded decade for the Mac. There's a lot of great players that came through the, the Mac in the last 10 years. And so um, we wanted to run down through uh, the, the, the players that were selected here. Um, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Um, I, we feel like this, you know, these are pretty well-known names that uh, most everyone's going to remember. So we got quarterbacks here, two first-team quarterbacks for the all-2010 uh, decade team. Jordan Lynch from Northern Illinois, uh, you know, he really needs no introduction. Uh, led it in Northern Illinois to the Orange Bowl in 2012. He was the 2012 and 2013 MAC Offensive Player of the Year. Finished his career with uh, six, over 6,200 uh, passing yards, 62% completion rate. 51 passing touchdowns, also had 48 rushing touchdowns with 4,300 rushing yards. Truly, I think, I don't know about you, Sam, but whenever I think about a, a dual threat quarterback, Jordan Lynch is one of the first people that comes to my mind. He really was a special talent for Northern Illinois. And then Zach Terrell from Western Michigan as well. Uh, 12,000 passing yards at Western Michigan, 65% completion rate, 96 passing touchdowns and uh, led the, the Broncos to the, uh, the Cotton Bowl appearance in 2016. Really, a, really an unforgettable season for them there. So we have, obviously, uh, Jordan Lynch. With, I think the theme here, Sam, is kind of these unforgettable seasons, right? 2012, Jordan Lynch leads uh, Northern Illinois to the Orange Bowl. And then 2016, uh, Zach Terrell leads Western Michigan to the, uh, the Cotton Bowl. What are your thoughts? I mean, do you, do you, do you remember watching these two guys? What, what were your thoughts on these two picks here? Uh, the only person I personally remember watching is Jordan Lynch, like a little bit here and there. He's a little bit before my time, but I managed to ca catch glimpses. Like I remember him and uh, Johnny Manziel at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, like, you know, how they have like the top five or whatever sitting together. I remember that, but I don't really disagree with any of the quarterbacks. My, my problem, my issue is more with not including a single ball state player, but beyond <laughs> that, like, I don't really have any issues with the list. Yeah. So the, to run down quickly through the rest of this year, uh, the running backs, um, one of my actually probably favorite players to watch recently in the Mac was uh, this, this first running back here, Dry Archer. You want to talk about a, a, a guy that was kind of undersized, but lightning fast. My God, Dry Archer could run by anybody. Uh, he had uh, 325 rushes for 2,342 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. He also had 99 receptions for over 1,100 receiving yards. All-American honoree in 2012, uh, led the NCAA in kickoff yards per return that year, and also led the conference in yards from scrimmage. Um, the, the one moment that actually was listed on, on Jordan's article here that I actually remember very vividly was in uh, 2012 when he rushed for 241 yards and two touchdowns at Bowling Green. Obviously, uh, Sam, I'm not sure if you if you remember Dry Archer, but I mean, this is a you know Kent State is not known as a football school, right? And um, there's not haven't been a lot of high points for their program here over the last 20 or 30 years. But man, that 2012 Kent State team was electric. I remember they went in 
to Rutgers when Rutgers was still good. I believe Rutgers was in the top 20 uh, when, when uh, the, uh, the Golden Flashes went into Piscataway that year, and, and Kent State really just dominated them. And it's a shame that they didn't get a chance. I mean, that was a great team that, un unfortunately for them, went up against Jordan Lynch in the MAC championship game that year. If it wasn't for Jordan Lynch dominating that game and Northern Illinois winning, uh, I believe, in overtime, uh, Kent State would have been in the team playing Florida State in the Orange Bowl that year. Yeah. The only oh, yeah. Thing and before, oh, before we go any further on that, it's Dree, Dree Archer. I, I, honestly, I was kind of surprised you don't remember Dree Archer since he's a yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers yeah, draft that's way back in the say. day. Oh, no. I, I remember I remember him. I remember he was a bust in the NFL, but he, he, was, a <laughs> heck of a, he was a heck of a college <laughs> player. And I was actually really excited whenever the Steelers drafted him because I remembered how electric he was in college. I just, you know, it never panned out for him in the NFL. He, I think he was just... That, you know, as fast as he was, I, I don't think he was able to overcome his his size in the NFL. He, he was not a not a big dude. Um, let me let me actually look that up right now because I know uh, I know he's not a. a I think he's guy. like five nine. Yeah, right? five eight one seventy. Uh, yeah, he he was every bit of five eight one seventy. I've stood I've stood beside him before at Mac Media Days. Dude, dude is really small. Yeah, <laughs> and you know it, it's too bad about his career because you know uh. I'm not sure if either of you remember, but he tore his ACL like the second week, I think, of his senior season. That really kind of affected, you know, he just never quite recovered from that. I don't think it was really unfortunate, too, because he had so much potential. Yeah. That guy. But I'm, I'm really sorry, Sam. I interrupted you to make no, that correction. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was about to say, I don't remember watching him in college. Like, the only thing I remember him watching him is do kickoff returns for the Pittsburgh Steelers also using him in Madden. So I can't speak to his kind of college prowess and how good he was, which you guys can. But I remember watching the the speed he had, not only in Madden, but in real life, the dude was fast. Yeah, he was. And then uh, the other the other running back here uh, listed on the on – the, uh, well, yeah, actually two more, excuse me. Uh, Jarvion Franklin from Western Michigan, almost 5,000 rushing yards. He was a 2014 MAC Offensive Player of the Year. Another great offensive player to come through uh, Kalamazoo here recently. And then another one that that almost everyone's going to know is uh, Kareem Hunt. He's he's gone on to to have himself quite a, a career uh, thus far in the NFL, starting off with the Chiefs and now playing for the Browns. He had uh, just under 5,000 rushing yards. Uh, 49 45 which was third in mac history over six yards per carry 44 rushing touchdowns um rushed for 265 yards and two scores against bowling green in 2014 uh that's funny because the mac moment for dree archer was uh 241 yards rushing and and two scores against bowling green in 2012 maybe the falcons should work on their rush defense <laughs> but uh yeah i mean kareem hunt jarvion franklin uh, Jarvion Franklin, I feel like maybe is a name that, that some people might not remember that might maybe isn't quite as appreciated. But man, that's a guy. If you want to talk about how Dreischer was, was a, you know, a smaller kind of undersized guy, Jarvion Franklin, that, that, you're talking about a guy that was a bruiser, the other end of the spectrum, a big guy that wasn't afraid to run you over. He was a joy to watch. Yeah, I, I can speak to the Kareem Hunt thing. Like, uh, I'm sure everybody who's an NFL fan watches him on the Browns now. I believe he just signed an extension recently. So uh, aside from the off-the-field issues, like he's such a dynamic player. I remember him being the starting running back for the Chiefs just a season or two ago. Like yeah. the dude was electric. I'm super surprised he hasn't been the starting running back for any other team. 
but he's in that kind of timeshare with the Browns. But beyond the point, dude was super. Dude is super fun to watch. I I kind of wish I watched him in college, but I I didn't get a chance to watch Jarvion Franklin either. Yeah, uh, I had the I had a chance to watch Jarvion and Kareem Hunt in person as a student. You know, back when I was still out there being a rowdy on the sidelines there and. Kareem was one of those guys where as soon as he took the field, you knew he was going to be a pro. He just had the size, he had the speed, he had the vision. Just simply amazing to watch in person. I know you guys put up the question earlier on your Twitter handle, which is at Mac underscore bandwagon. You know, what's the favorite Mac athlete that you've ever seen in person? And Kareem Hunt would have to be like right at the top for me. That was a name that was a curse on my lips for a while. It's like, ah, oh, man, it's Kareem Hunt again. Just like, he's doing it again type deal, just with how good he was. And and Franklin, every definition of a bruiser too. Four-year starter. He was starting from the time he was a freshman at West. I think he won uh, freshman of the year, his first season, MAC Offensive Player of the Year, multiple MAC Offensive Player of the Weeks, first all-team MAC. I think it was all-team MAC all four years. Yeah. even, which is something that I don't think Bellamy accomplished. And Bellamy is about as decorated as they come. Bellamy was initially his tandem back and then his, eventually his successor, for the record. But it's just, yeah, absolutely, those two guys were certainly deserving of being in that running back conversation. And Dre Archer, too, because, you know, if he doesn't tear his ACL that season, you could really make a case that Dre Archer might have been a Heisman finalist. Definitely. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And and just, you know, to go back to, to Kareem Hunt for a second, I have this, I have a very vivid memory of Kareem Hunt's first game in the NFL back in 2017 as a rookie for the Chiefs. And they played on week one, they played the, the Patriots on Thursday night. And uh, the Patriots were coming off that Super Bowl victory when they beat the Falcons and came back from 28 to three. And Kareem Hunt, went out there on that Thursday night and just smoked the Patriots defense. And everyone, all my friends were like, who is this dude? And I was like, you know what? You guys should probably watch the Mac a little bit because I've been watching this guy tear defenses up for the last three years. And uh, now everyone sees it and it's obvious to everyone, but I don't think many people um, knew of him, obviously, just because of, of, you know, the, the fact that the Mac doesn't get quite the love that some other conferences do. That's another conversation for another day. I think um, in the interest of time, Sam, if you're cool with it, let's maybe go through these wide receivers and we can go through the rest of this, uh, this list next week. Sounds um, good. You know, we're getting, getting short on time here before we move into the, to the Mac trivia and all that other good stuff. But we got some great wide receivers on this list too. Uh, Corey Davis from Western Michigan, Titus Davis from Central Michigan, Kenny Galladay from Northern Illinois, and Roger Lewis from Bowling Green. Um, I think everyone knows Corey Davis, right? He's a, he was a first round draft pick for the Titans. One of their, you know, he's their number one receiver. Now uh, he's number one in Mac history with 331 career receptions. That's also fourth in NCAA history, uh, 5,278 receiving yards. Also first in Mac history, 52 receiving touchdowns first in Mac history, second in NCAA history, 2016 Mac offensive player of the year, 2016 consensus, all American and uh, Sam, I hate to say it, but uh, one of his highlights of his career, 12 catches, 272 yards, and three touchdowns in Muncie back in 2016. The Cardinals, you know, the, the Cardinals did not have an answer for him that day, but, uh, but, you know, I don't think they were alone in that. I don't think anyone in the MAC for four years had any answers for Corey Davis. 
Yeah, I, I, it's sad to see that he hasn't necessarily panned out in the league like people had hoped, being he was selected the fifth overall pick with the Titans. But uh, Kenny Galladay, I have him on my fantasy football team. He's just a beast. I think, uh, James, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but his nickname's like Babytron because he resembles Calvin Johnson, but he's obviously not as... Do not get me started on Babytron, okay? <laughs> What's wrong because with Babytron? first of all, it's an absolutely shitty name. Second of all, it's derivative. And oh boy, I'm going to uh, FCC, have to keep, have to be FCC friendly here. It's extremely derivative. And it's unoriginal. I uh, most uh, I, I'm a Lions fan through and through, and I think most of us have adapted Kenny G. Okay, as so a like the musician, yeah. like like the musician. I remember uh, <laughs> last year we uh, uh, last year every time he scored a touchdown, it was just like you know Kenny G with a bunch of G's, and then just a gif of Kenny G playing the saxophone, or like you know Kenny G just being Kenny G for the most part. But yeah, Kenny Galladay, really good football player. Also a very late bloomer. Like that was a guy who yeah. truly came out of nowhere in terms of like being a star in the Mac. He was at, I think, South Dakota, transferred in from either South or North. Not the States, like Dakota, just like North Dakota. To NIU, sat his year. Then he just had a breakout year his first season. Then just skyrocketed from there. And it's arguable that he's still learning and still skyrocketing. Like his physical growth was unbelievable in his three years in the Mac. And he's shown so far in two seasons in the NFL that, you know, he's as good as anyone out there and he's ready to break out potentially to be elite as soon as he comes off of his hamstring injury, which is currently kind of hampering him at the moment. Uh, in terms of Corey Davis, I wouldn't call him a bust necessarily i just well, i think just said that, up to this point like he yeah i just think that he's in the wrong offense okay at the moment like tennessee has never really been about passing the ball and they had had struggles at quarterback prior to you know last season when they finally decided on ron Tannehill, and they're they're a run first team so his role as a receiver is a little bit different than you know maybe we expected him coming out of college to have coming out of college but that's another guy that I saw in person as a student and he had a performance so good in his final regular season game, which is like the final home game of like my time as an undergrad that he made me cry. Just like they could not stop him. He kept scoring touchdowns. Like it was really foggy and rainy outside. Like we were all already depressed because you know, like this is like Western is kicking our ass in this game like they started that game i remember how they started that game it was a third down and uh pj fleck and his staff back then every third down play was money like literally they just held up a sign and it had like four money signs on it and like that was the package that they would run and you knew immediately that ball was going to davis and sure enough the first possession they throw a they throw a route to davis on our end he gets a touchdown and they go for two on the first possession to go wow. up eight to nothing. And wow. I knew at that moment we were cooked. Yeah. That's how good the Corey Davis, Zach Terrell like connection was at that time. Yeah, it really was something else. And I also, as I look at this list here, 
Man, I'm I'm really happy that Roger Lewis was included. I got to give a shout out to Roger Lewis, and I also have to say, just as a just as a Mac fan, as a as a football fan in general, those Dino Babers Bowling Green teams were so much fun to watch. As someone that loves offensive football, that loves you know that fast paced throwing the ball around. Like Dino Babers and and Matt Johnson and Roger Lewis at Bowling Green, that's like the epitome of that to me. I mean, Roger Lewis, in in two seasons, I mean, 158 receptions, 2,638 receiving yards. Think about 158 receptions in two years. That's basically you're catching 80 balls a year. Um, and then you know, I remember the the game you guys had listed here when he had 261 yards and three touchdowns against Memphis in 2015. That was a great back and forth game between two awesome uh, mid-major programs or, or group of five programs, whatever you want to say the, the correct term is. But uh, that was, you know, that's a Paxton, Paxton Lynch-led uh, Memphis team that went on to, if I'm not mistaken, they almost made it to a, a New Year's Six Bowl that year. I can't remember exactly how they ended that season. But, I mean, that was a heck of a Memphis team. And uh, Bowling Green went toe-to-toe with them, and Roger Lewis was a, a big reason. Uh, before we move on from from the uh, the wide receivers, James, I wanted to get your thoughts on Titus Davis. This is another guy that was electric, and uh, seeing the the action moment you guys had listed in here was uh, you know reminded me of that infamous uh, Bahamas Bowl game in 2014 against Western Kentucky. Um, I, I can't believe I never asked you about that game before as a Central Michigan fan and what your thoughts were. But what would what, you think of Titus? I mean, Titus Davis is another guy just like these other guys, well deserving of being on this list, and he was another guy that was electric. Oh, buddy, it, it, it would be a whole other podcast episode we would have to do if you want to get my <laughs> thoughts on the 2014 Bahamas Bowl for certain. I think I, there's a couple articles, if you look deep enough in the archives, where I kind of have write about my feelings on that. But I would be happy to talk about it on a future episode. But uh, Titus Davis is just another one of those guys. Uh, Corey Davis's brother, actually, if nobody knew, if, if you're new around here and didn't know that, uh, Titus was, I think, a year or two up on his brother Corey but yeah he was a freshman all-american his first season I don't think he ever had less than 60 catches in a season just a really dependable workhorse kind of a wide receiver just like a guy you really want in your locker room uh I've loved him to death I was really bummed out when his pro career didn't pan out but yeah just I really liked him he was one of the first reasons why I really fell in love with like Central's football program between him and Jaleel Adai and Kayvon Frazier and all those people. So, yeah, just just really cool guy all around. And I was really happy that everybody else on the panel like agreed that Titus really did deserve uh, a spot. As for Roger Lewis, I had, a, I had a fight, claw, and, yeah, ring some necks in terms of getting him included on that on that final four that we ended up putting out there because there's so many good receivers. And I just felt that we needed to put one Bowling Green receiver out there. And like Roger Lewis is like the epitome of that Falcon fast offense in terms of like personality and in terms of production, like a list without Roger Lewis for all 2010 is bunk. So I'm very happy that we managed to get him on there. Even if like other Bowling Green offensive players didn't. And you know, I would be happy to talk about that another time since we're on a bit of a time crunch but as to be, like before we why on, some I things did, fell as they did. But before we move on, I just have to because I'm sure all the Ball State fans are <laughs> are here. 
Well, how did Willie seen considering the fact the year that Ball State had in 2012 not get on the list? He was just one of those guys. Uh, we were talking about, I'll let you in on a bit of the process. So the way that it worked is we put a bunch of names in the pool. We looked up all 10 years of all MAC teams that were announced in the 2010s. We threw them into a pool and then we all had individual ballots. We counted out the ballots and if there were any ties, we debated them and then we would cut other players. And that final spot came down to Roger Lewis, who eventually got it, Willie Sneed, and I think Cody Thompson from Toledo. Oh, wow. And it was like, ah, oh, man, like you're really asking us to split the baby here. Like, this sucks. It's like, can we, can we do like six receivers? Because like yeah. four is not going to be enough, you know? Yeah. Because part of it was being really. Those are three good names. I mean, great players. Yeah, because part of it is like, well, one, I was really surprised that Titus Davis got as many votes as he did. That yeah. kind of really, that kind of made it complicated. Was that like, oh, well, that was really unexpected. Because, you know, like Titus Davis is a really good player, but, you know, may- maybe a little bit unappre- uh, underappreciated in terms of like production. Because he played on some really bad central teams, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I think that's the other thing. I mean, I know, like, Sam, I, I get what you're saying about, you know, no, uh, ha- not having Ball State represented on this list. And I think what James just said there about like, you know, being on some bad teams. I think that's kind of probably, unfortunately, maybe something that is, you know, came into play here is that you look back, you know, 2020, 2010 to present, other than that, you know, 2012 year with, with Willie Sneed and, and, uh, and Keith Wenning. And then what, two years after that, I believe it was 2014. Other than that, those two years, not a lot of highs for Ball State's program over the last decade, as much as I hate to say that. No, but but that furthers my point to why he should be on that list because we haven't had so many highs that when we do, it's amazing. 2008, 2012, 2014, like other than those years, we're we're basically uh, we're basically crap. So like that's that's my whole reason. Not to mention he's continuing on in the NFL, has had amazing um, uh, NFL career. So I feel like that should just add on to what he's already done. And I feel like that should have been the tiebreaker. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. Uh, but so anyway, we will, uh, we will, in the interest of time, we will break down the rest of this list for, for you guys next week. Uh, I'd love to get some thoughts and opinions from uh, the Mac bandwagon community, um, but we will go ahead and, uh, and we'll move on to, to what if Shin and um, our, our Twitter question of, of the week here uh, momentarily. Sam, do you have anything else to add here? Uh, not really. I, I'm super happy with the list. Other than other than no ball state players, I have no complaints. Like like, there's nothing really for me to add. We'll we'll cover the rest of it next next episode. All right. Uh, before we move on to that, though, let's get in a cold read. Got to get in, or got to get all that going here. Oh, looks like I've lost all my cold reads. I will go off the fly. Uh, this episode of Mac Bandwagon is brought to you by Home Field Apparel. If you're looking for some fancy clothing, we can get you a code. Hustle, 20% off of your entire first purchase. They have a unique 52 to 48% cotton to polyester blend and some of the best retro detailing available in the collegiate clothing market. With 11 of the, uh, 11 of the 12 Mac teams represented, 
Be true to your school and be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com today and use code HUSTLE for 20% off. Good stuff. Yeah, we all love Home Field Apparel here at the Hustle Belt. You guys should too. Go ahead and support them. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the Mac uh, player, or I should say the favorite Mac player to watch in person. This was our Twitter question of the week, which I know is something that we got away from for a few weeks, but we wanted to get back into it here and uh, really, you know, get some additional engagement with, with you guys on Twitter. So um, we wanted to ask you guys, you know, who is your favorite Mac player to watch in person? I know, uh, you know, James had mentioned a few minutes ago that he really enjoyed watching Kareem Hunt from Toledo. I'm sure everyone else has, uh, you know, similar opinions. So we got, um, we had 1974 fired up, had responded to us and said, uh, Dan Lefevre, how hard to go against that. He's one of the mm -hmm. best to ever do it in the Mac. And even in the NCAA in general, uh, one of the, the all-time passing leaders in the entire NCAA. Uh, your captain, uh, Captain82, responded and said Michael Turner from Northern Illinois. Another great answer, a guy that had uh, you know, a great NFL career. Uh, Scott Wojo419 had, had said Bruce Gradkowski, a local Pittsburgh boy here. So I, I always uh, will respect that answer. Also was really fun to watch. When he was at Toledo, the whole team loved him. And actually, uh, what Scott had said here was, uh, dude was a winner and a great leader. The team would run through a wall with him leading the way. They knew he, would, he knew he would carve out a very solid NFL career, which he did. He was a backup in the NFL for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Rocket Ryan on our podcast a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he had talked about the, the Bruce Gradkowski-led team that upset number nine Pittsburgh back in, uh, I want to say that was 2002, 2003. Uh, Three-Hearted Dad had responded and said, recently, Corey Davis. He also said, back in the day, watching Randy Moss up close was something else. Both were like men among boys. I want to come back to that one because I agree with him there. Uh, Reese Timbrook had said, uh, Bowling Green wide receiver Ronnie Moore, incredible personality and an electric spark to the offense. He also said Bowling Green uh, DB Jude Ajay Barima was also great to watch. And then non-Bowling Green, said UMass quarterback break Blake, excuse me, Fraunafel was really underrated, threw for a ton of yards. Man, I tell you what, even as a Mac fan, Blake Fraunafel is a, a name that I have not heard in a long time. Sometimes oh, dude, Blake, Fra Blake Fraunafel won me so many Mac fantasy football games. <laughs> I, I sometimes, as much as I love the Mac, I sometimes forget that UMass was in the Mac for a couple years there, and uh, they didn't have many high points but Blake Fraunafel was definitely one of them. That dude could sling the ball around. And then uh, we had Mike DeMoss had uh, tweeted at us and said it had to be Lauren Christian Jackson, who uh, we all know uh, what he does on the court for Akron. Um, Sam, what were your thoughts? Any, any of these responses here that stood out to you? Uh, Hunter Schuler said, uh, check out the story behind Greg Kelly. Just got a scholarship as DBU at, DB at EMU. And I remember reading that story a couple of days ago on ESPN. That was a super touching story. But I was, I was kind of hoping for some more non-football related players. Not going to lie, we did get Lauren Christian Jackson in there. But I was hoping for a wide variety of basketball. Like, I, I understand the love for football. But I was hoping to see, for, see, see some more non-football uh, names thrown out there. Yeah. I say, if, if we're going to go for like non football names, uh, a couple I can throw up there for Central, at least. I know I'm pretty Central biased when it comes to these types of things. Uh, Crystal Bradford 
was a really great watch for women's basketball, as was, uh, God, Presley Hudson mm. had some genuinely impressive games. And both of those ladies went on to go have careers in the WNBA and then eventually, you know, in the overseas basketball world. I think Crystal just got signed to play in the Turkish Professional League again. So she's still going on probably close to, God, has to be like close to 10 years now. Okay. Yeah, uh, good honor. For the one season I saw Ball State in person, I will say Ishmael Almin for our basketball team was unreal. No matter, like we only got the four seed, I think he was, but he had some unreal moments for us. Yeah, good stuff. I think, uh, yeah, if I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm thinking more on the basketball side of things, it's hard not to mention Marcus Keene from Central Michigan. That guy was, uh, you know, electric. Um, I even think about, um, you know, some of the some of the great basketball players that came through. Uh, you know, uh, C.J. Massenburg up at, at you know at Buffalo. There's been some great basketball players, but I also, you know, I wanted to go back to what uh, to what uh, which response was this in in three three hearted dad and mentioned Randy Moss. Man, to me, Randy Moss has got to be the first one on this list. I know Marshall's not in the MAC anymore, but you go back. I I was young. I was you know when Randy Moss was at Marshall. I was in elementary school, but even then, I could appreciate how good he was. And, you know, you watch, you know, there's the Rand U documentary, the 30 for 30 that they do on ESPNU, or even if you just go on YouTube and look up his college highlights. I mean, he was like, it looked like he was playing against middle schoolers and he's playing against division one athletes. I mean, this is a guy that you could tell from a, you know, as soon as he stepped foot on the field at Marshall, you knew that this guy was going to be a star in the NFL. Uh, I, he's still one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah. I will say the only uh, thing I remember from Randy Moss is when he played for the Patriots in the 07 season. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really remember much other than I've seen highlights here and there. But, yeah, he even made NFL players look like they were, like, D1 players or high school players. So, like, yeah. he, he's an impressive individual. He really is. He really is. And uh, just the speed and the size, that combination, you don't see it very often. Um Sam, any, any final thoughts on our Twitter question or our Twitter responses before we move on to what ifshin? Uh, no, I thought they get, got some really good names. I'm going to start doing some more Twitter questions, so be on the lookout for that. Other than that, I'm, like, I'm just excited to get back in this Twitter thing, get you guys back involved, because I know we've kind of stopped doing it for quite a few weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. So I think that's something going to be good to, to pick that back up. All right, so in the interest of time, guys, you know, we're going to get uh, started with the, you know, the Mac trivia and, and, and all that stuff here in a couple minutes. So we just want to run down uh, real quickly for you guys um, the results from our What Ifshin uh, week three last week. And instead of going through um, every single game for, for this week, maybe we'll, we'll find another way to, to get our picks to you guys. Again, I don't think we're going to have time to go through all of this. Sam, does that work for you? Yeah, that works for me. All right, so let's go through. Yes, yeah, so just imagine like a bunch of like lightning sounds. It's like lightning round. Yeah, right, right. Speed. Let's pick our portion that. of what if shin. That's it. There it is. So, uh, so we're gonna go through these week three results here. A couple surprises. I don't know about you, Sam, but a couple of these results here. Um, so Akron uh, traveled down to Clemson to take on Trevor Lawrence and the Tigers. That's a tall task. Akron, though, they did end up covering that number. Uh, we had them at minus, or I should say, plus forty-seven. Akron. Held Clemson only 35 points, uh, only were able to put up a field goal themselves. So 35-3 final there. Uh, second week in a row for your boys, Sam. Two straight weeks, two tough losses against Big Ten opponents. Uh, what did you think about that 15-10 final for Ball State against the Hoosiers? I mean, I'm super happy. I've told, I told you this off air, but, like, 
we didn't lose by 20 or 30. We only lost by five. Last season, we only lost by 10 to IU. I know we lost by a lot more to Michigan, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I know it's two straight losses, but it's against Big Ten opponents. So, hey, we, at least we tried. We put up a good effort, and I'm satisfied. Yeah. So move, uh, moving on, um, an, another pretty solid effort against a, a Big Ten team. Buffalo went into the horseshoe uh, against Ohio State and lost 27 to nothing. The offense there, Kevin Marks and Jared Patterson just couldn't get anything going, but the defense played well. Uh, Buffalo was plus 28 in that game, so they did barely get the cover. Uh, Miami uh, was unfortunately unable to end their losing streak in the Victory Bell rivalry game. Uh, Cincinnati did win that one 26 to 24 over the Red Hawks. Miami was plus six though, and they did get the cover. Uh, James Central Michigan fell just short of a second straight Big Ten upset. Um, after knocking off uh, Nebraska last week, they traveled down to uh, Evanston to take on Northwestern. The Wildcats did just squeak by with a 43 to 36 victory there. I think that one was a little bit higher scoring than we were anticipating. For an upset, uh, Kent State uh, got an upset over an SEC team. They went down to Lexington and knocked off Kentucky 36-32. to Huge signature victory for uh, Sean Lewis and his program. He's really building something special there. And I honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised to see this result in real life if this game would have been played this year. So Kent State gets the upset victory there and obviously the cover along with that. Ohio was not messing around this week. They really gave it to Marshall. In, uh, in that rivalry matchup, uh, Ohio was minus one in that game and ended up winning by 30, 47 to 17. In our first conference game of the season, Eastern Michigan really gave it to Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois was coming off uh, that victory over Maryland last week where they went to College Park and beat the Terrapins. Unfortunately, that momentum did not carry over. Eastern Michigan beat them down 32 to 10. Michigan State got the win over Toledo. Uh, Toledo was plus 12 in this game, so they will get the cover with the 31-21 loss. But uh, Toledo moves to 1-2 and two after losing to the Spartans. And then Western Michigan with another signature upset, a signature victory for their program. They go down to South Bend and knock off the Fighting Irish 36-34. to 34. Uh, Sam, any, any other takeaways from our week three of What If Shin? Uh, not really. I'm super excited that Western Michigan upset my brother's college in Notre Dame. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that to the weekend as another win. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, uh, I thought it was a really great week. Uh, Ball State almost beating uh, Indiana. I'm super happy this week. So, do you want to – I know you've been keeping the spreadsheet, Sam. Do you want to maybe run down through my record, your record, and Twitter's record so far through three weeks? Yep. So, I, so I'll start with the leader. Uh, it's uh, currently me. You can uh, tr correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong, but I try to – do this as accurate as I could. I am currently at 24 and 11. Zach, you are at 22 and 13. And the internet is at 20 and 15. So, so far it's me in first, you in second, Zach, and the internet and slash Twitter just lacking behind the 20 and 15 record. So I think what that means is that uh, Mac Twitter needs to pick it up a little bit and they do. keep up with us. Although I, 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 I could stand to do a little bit better myself you're only two games back though yeah you're right you're right not in the worst position um before we wrap this up and, and move on to uh you know the, the trivia and some of the other stuff we have planned i know james it sounds like we have some late breaking news as it regards the mac did you want to maybe uh talk about that really quickly all right so this is uh tony paul the detroit news about 17 minutes ago he says his sources are telling him that uh should the mac elect to go forward and that all indications are that's likely the season 
will be a six-game season with mandatory testing three times per week. And also that the NCAA is about to make an announcement on that front that it'll be mandatory for all conferences to do three times a week minimum. So that, that's the news that we got right now is that's Good what it's stuff. likely going to be. Six, uh, six games, three times a week testing. Uh, seems like it'll be either the end of October or early November for the start of that season. So I, 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 I feel like I'm always criticizing the NCAA on here, but why, why now are they coming out and saying, let's mandate three <laughs> times a week testing across the board for everyone? Why didn't yeah. you come out and say that back in June? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a question for, for, that's a question, that's a podcast for another day. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But yeah, if you folks want to stick around, we're going to be doing Jackbox Party and Mac Trivia with our trivia master, Steve Helwick, as soon as we get him in on this Zoom. So you'll see on your screen, uh, uh, we'll be right back graphic, but don't worry, we're not far away. We're looking to set that up and be ready by, say, 9.15 or so, if you want to stick around there. Uh, as for the rest of it, I'll let you folks do your usual outro. Awesome, yeah. So, guys, we, uh, we again, we wanted to do a live stream episode tonight to just um, really... You know, as a thank you uh, to do something different to the fans uh, for getting us to a thousand plays through 11 episodes. That's an awesome, awesome achievement. And, and Sam and I are, are incredibly grateful to, to the Mac community online. Um, Sam, any any final thoughts for our fans before we sign off here and start the, the Jackbox and Twitter and all that other good stuff? In all seriousness, before we get in the goofiness, but yeah, like everything Zach said, everything that we tweeted out, like we mean, we thank you guys for the support. We could not be where we are without you guys. So we thank you. If you have any suggestions for any future stuff, DM us. We're always open to suggestions and whatnot. But other than that, thank you guys so much. It, it really does mean a lot. Awesome. And I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with that more. We, we do really appreciate it, guys. It's been a great ride so far, and we're looking forward to, to you know keeping this thing rolling and keeping it growing. So please, we'd encourage everyone to stick around, and we're going to do a little trivia stuff here and uh, have some fun. Uh, we, we thank you guys all for tuning in. And uh, for anyone that can't stick around, we look forward to seeing you next week. We'll talk to you then. Hope everyone has a great weekend.